Blaze Radio Network. And now, Reform This with Dr. Sudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me again. And as always, a lot to cover on what appears to be a more and more radicalizing element within Washington, members of Congress, statements on and votes on Hamas on the border and in fundraisers and a lot to learn about the reality of what is being tolerated out there in the body politic. And again, uh, the uh, continued unstoppable um, and horrific ideologies, verbiage coming from the likes of Ilhan Omar, Congresswoman from Minnesota, and Rashida Tlaib. We'll touch base a little bit today about how they voted in favor of allowing terrorists from Hamas to come into the United States. Also talk about Ilhan Omar's fundraising speech for a uh, group uh, from the Somali community in, in the Minneapolis area that was highlighted by statements that any of us, any Americans, would find horrifically seditious and clearly stating that her allegiances, her alliances are with foreign governments, foreign states, much more than they are with America. And again, I think that highlights the realities of who she is, what she stands for, and uh, a lot to learn there. And also, I want to talk a little bit about the border, what should be a plan for border security, what we have not been doing and what we should be doing, because obviously with national security, it all starts at home. We should work abroad to, uh, we see a response finally happening to the loss of life that we've had, to the attacks that have been continued on our men and women abroad serving all over the Middle East with hundreds of attacks. And finally, now we are beginning to respond. The Biden administration uh, attacked, I, I think, somewhere over 80 targets. But is it a little too little and a little too late? So first, let's. Let, I, I have to share with you what... Uh, the uh, congresswoman from Minnesota, Democrat, far-left, progressivist, radical Islamist, said at a gathering in Somalia. Oh, I'm sorry. In No, it was not in Somalia. That was uh, a bit of an intentional faux pas. Gathering in Minneapolis in her Somali tongue, her Somali language, to a Somali community of immigrants. Now, it's unclear what the reception was of this of these comments, but what is very clear is that the translation was verified and that that translation showed the following. But first, let me just have you get a sense of listening. The audio is in her Somali language, but this is Congresswoman Omar, and I'll give you a few seconds of that. I saw so obviously none of us speak Somali. I speak Arabic in addition to English, but but I can tell you that that 
translation was verified, was put out in a video um, that a ambassador, the ambassador Rhoda Elmi, Rhoda Elmi is uh, the Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs for the Republic of Somaliland. And she put that out and said that, quote, we were profoundly surprised, even shocked, on discovering the remarks made by Congresswoman Ilhan Omar of Minnesota in a recent public forum, widely circulated on most social media platforms and attached below. And I just aired a few seconds of that, five, six minutes of what she had. The language she employed, the ambassador said, was regrettably unbecoming of both the office she holds and the constituents she represents. Her expressions were lacking in common decency and revealed a significant lack of understanding of basic facts. Specifically troubling were her endeavors to revive the once violent and dangerous ideology of Greater Somalia or Somali Wayne, which caused so much death, destruction, and conflict in the Horn of Africa. Furthermore, her use of ethno-racist rhetoric didn't escape attention and left many with a deep sense of disappointment. Particularly bewildering for those who recall similar racist attacks she endured not long ago of being not American enough. Baffling to see her take on a similar approach and accuse the entire Somaliland nation of falsely claiming Somali identity. And then it goes on to talk about her ignorance of the U.S.-Somaliland cooperation in the fight against terror and the piracy of the Gulf of Aden and Gulf of Berbera. And they were shocked to say the least. We hope the House leadership and her caucus will take note of her public conduct unbecoming of a U.S. congresswoman. So let me drill down on what she said to this group in Minnesota, ladies and gentlemen. And into that group, she said, Together, we will protect the interests of Somalia, she said. You can sleep in comfort knowing I am here to protect the interests of Somalia from inside the U.S. system. Yes, she said from inside the U.S. system. And for as long as I am in the U.S., Congress, Somalia will never be in danger. That's her guarantee. That she's in the U.S. Congress to protect Somalia. And as long as she's there, they will never be in danger. She's never even said that about her own country, about the crime and drugs coming through our borders. And then she says, as long as I'm there, its waters will not be stolen by Ethiopia or others. So here's a progressivist, leftist, radical that claims to be all about peace activism and cares about the Palestinians and cares about so many other identity politic issues. And here she is advocating for a imperialistic Somalia to expand into Ethiopia, a, a hegemonic Somaliland that she will defend in her native tongue. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a sitting member of Congress who's using her position to violate her oath, to be derelict in her duties, and to basically be seditious. Translations have been verified. She's basically an open insurgent. Remember her oath of office, similar to the one I took as a naval officer, was that she swore to protect the United States and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, unquote. It sounds like she wants to protect Somaliland. 
She wants to protect Islamists, as we've seen her meet with Imran Khan after he lost his election in Pakistan and and swore to continue to be his friend and be close to him to give a wink and a nod to the Islamist movements of the Jamaat Islamiyya in Pakistan. And then she sat with Erdogan, an Islamist demagogue in Istanbul who has solidified his power by imprisoning journalists, by imprisoning professors and removing tens of thousands of professors in making Turkey a a so-called democracy, making Turkey a leading country in the suppression of free speech globally. Just look at the her friends in the progressivist movement at Penn and elsewhere, PEN, that have said that Turkey is failing as a result. So where there's an Islamist movement, the Iranian Islamists of the Khomeinists, she says nothing about their aggression, their feeding of Hamas into its militancy that caused October 7. She said nothing. The feeding of the fueling of the Houthis and the Hezbollah by the Iranian Islamists, she says nothing. Any other time, this speech in Somali translated would have been a national scandal, and she'd be shamed, marginalized, ridiculed, sanctioned. But instead, this radical progressivists, arm in arm with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Cori Bush and others, instead, she gets a pass as if it never happened. Instead, her constituents seem to not to be oblivious somehow that she's representing them. Ladies and gentlemen, there's something wrong, something deeply wrong with Congress, with our leadership, our media. This is not the story it should be. And it's not a, there isn't a word from the Biden administration or any of the rubber stampers that seem to vote on the left with the Biden administration. And this weekend, this past week, was a metaphor for all that is wrong with Congress and why the Democrat Party run by its radical progressivists needs to be defeated. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we cannot forget our sons and daughters serving abroad who were attacked by a drone attack at the border of Jordan and Syria. And that attack killed three of our servicemen and women who gave the ultimate sacrifice. They gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we can be free. We've seen attacks, two Navy SEALs that disappeared a few weeks ago. Over 180 attacks in the region that have been unresponded to by the Biden administration. And now they launch very late feckless attacks to respond and said it's going to continue. But what got us to this point of tit for tat, should it be proportional? No, it should be disproportionate to destroy the Houthis, to destroy the place from which those attacks came. And we see the the story of Ilhan Omar in Minneapolis, the story of our soldiers who were killed in action. We see that these are not two unrelated stories. We are fighting enemies within 
who have been elected by majorities in their district sometimes, enemies from within who've been elected. Our current elected president and Secretary of Homeland Security, who should be impeached, Mayorkas, is allowing a hemorrhaging, a tidal wave of illegal immigration across the border that nobody seems to be plussed about. Nobody. There's no concern about what's happening. None whatsoever. Hundreds of thousands every month or two, millions in the past few years that have come across the border bringing drugs, bringing crime, bringing lawlessness, non-paying taxes, subverting our asylum laws, subverting our legal process for those waiting in line to come in. And nobody seems to care. This country is being torn apart in a suicidal method by an administration that doesn't care that the entire, this is no longer Mexicans coming across simply because they're on our border. The vast, vast majority, 90 plus percent, are actually from countries that have seen the green light. That America has no border anymore. It's just a free-for-all of lawlessness across the border from Canada or Mexico. And that free-for-all is destroying our country. Sanctuary cities are an abomination in which mayors supposedly are allowing many of these illegal migrants to come across and simply stay in their cities and bypass crimes. How long are we going to tolerate this? But how long it starts at home? How long are we going to tolerate speeches in foreign languages from elected members of Congress? And I'll tell you, I'm the son of Syrian immigrants who escaped, got political asylum here. And I want to be the first to expose this type of radicalism because it cheapens, demeans, and ends up creating a bitter taste in every American's mouth about the reality of who we are, the asylum that people should seek about what Americanism is. I don't want to see that light extinguished because if that light is going to continue, then we must honor it to the hundredth percent. We must honor it fully and not cheapen it, disgrace it, and allow it to become punctuated by criminals and by seditious Islamists and others some elected, most of whom are unelected. And we need to expose the reality of the sedition that the Ilhan Omers of the world, as I've said before, have no place on our foreign affairs committees. They have no place in intel receiving, receiving top secret clearances and, and reports. Ladies and gentlemen, our country, our country is at stake here and we need to expose the reality of what these folks are saying and doing on behalf of our citizens, on behalf of our country. And now let's look at a vote that happened this week on banning Hamas terrorists from the United States. I mean, it's almost a pro forma thing because Hamas is still listed, thankfully, as a foreign terrorist organization. So remember the Holy Land Foundation trial? A lot of the Islamist organizations like the Council on American Islamic Relations were listed as unindicted co-conspirators because a lot of their machinations behind the scenes seem to facilitate the 
crimes committed by the Holy Land Foundation board that ended up being found guilty. Five or six of them, I believe, that ultimately served time in 2009 and onward for providing material support to a terror organization, namely Hamas. Now, those unindicted co-conspirators provided some of the communications networks that were used for that, which made them unindicted, unindictable at that point for what they did, but certainly relevant to the crimes committed. They tried to have that designation removed, and they failed. The court system, DOJ and otherwise, refused to remove that designation despite their multiple filings. And yet, after October 7th's heinous barbarism and genocidal pogroms committed by militants that left Gaza, went into neighboring Israel right there and and door-to-door committing rape, murder, terror, beheadings, and otherwise described across the world as the crimes against the Jewish people, against the people of Israel. The squad Democrats now can't seem to get themselves to vote on a simple designation after that attack to simply say that we will not allow any Hamas terrorists into this country. It's hard to believe we need even needed legislation about that, but this is H.R. 6679, also called the No Immigration Benefits for Hamas Terrorists Act, expanded the U.S. ban on Palestinian liberation organization officers to include all PLO members. The bill, which was introduced by Tom McClintock, Republican from Pennsylvania, banned Hamas members and other participants in the October 7 attack from the U.S. As The Hill reports, the legislation states that any person who participated in, planned, financed, afforded material support to or otherwise facilitated the October 7 attack on Israel or attacks after that shall be ineligible for any relief under the immigration laws. Any alien who carried out, participated in, planned, financed, afforded material support to or otherwise facilitated any attacks against Israel initiated by Hamas beginning on October 7, 2023 is inadmissible, the bill states. 422 members of the House voted to pass the bill. Three far-left members voted against the bill or voted present. Cory Bush, Rashida Tlaib voted against the bill. And Delia Ramirez, all Democrats, voted present. Tlaib said the bill was just another Republican bill used to incite hatred. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Protect your constituents there, the terror, which then reminds me of the Wall Street Journal article this week about America's capital of jihad in Dearborn, Michigan, Rashida Tlaib's backyard. Yep, the capital of jihad. Wall Street Journal. We'll talk about that in a second. But at the end of the day, this is what two sitting members of Congress voted. Obviously, good news is that the remaining 422, with many voting either weren't there that didn't vote or obviously supported it, but it still says a lot 
that Rashida, just like it says a lot that Ilhan Omar was speaking in her Somali tongue and inciting seditious remarks without a fear in the world about it, without a sense of impropriety in the world. And yet, Rashida Tlaib called this incitement by Republicans when the rest of her Democratic colleagues voted in favor of it. I mean, even her propaganda is not making sense anymore. Remember, she's the one that came down here into Phoenix, wanted to be at ASU in Tempe, was not allowed in the last minute because of spineless administration that finally gathered some spine, but couldn't do it because of the reality, which was the anti-Semitism, the material support of terror. She tried to raise money for Students for Justice in Palestine, which has still on its website and homepage support of the October 7 implicit and and what appears to be apparent support of Hamas. She came into district, uh, into areas here across Maricopa County trying to raise money for SJP, Students for Justice in, pa- in Palestine. The anti-Semitism continues to get worse. Larger, louder advocates that nobody seems to respond to. And enough is enough. Enough is enough as they normalize defense of Hamas. And I want to remind you one more thing. Rashida Tlaib back a few months ago was censured by the U.S. House of Representatives in a 234 to 188 vote where the resolution claimed that she had been promoting false narratives regarding the October 7, 2023 Hamas attack on Israel and for calling for the destruction of the state of Israel. Again, not expelled, one step below expulsion, but yet she was censured and continues now to vote in favor of Hamas. When is enough going to be enough? When are we going to get back the central positions of the ideas that we share as Americans, rather than the radical extreme that we see in the far-left progressivists as the Biden administration stays silent, silent and feckless in what it does? And again, I mentioned it earlier, while he's finally responding, he had no choice But it shows you again why weakness can actually end up being the warmongering type of behavior rather than strength, prevention, deterrence. And the way I can tell you as the son of Syrian immigrants, if you look at the militant dictators across the Middle East and the radical theocratic movements from the ISIS's to the Al-Qaeda's and the Muslim Brotherhood and Hamas's and Wahhabis and others, They only respond to power. They only respond to fear. They don't respond. If anything, weakness then gives them green lights to do what they want. And Israel ends up being left to fend for itself. And as we enter this election year, people will realize that it's not a sign. It is totally not a sign of strength and responsiveness by the Biden administration. It's an example, as much as they had to do it, they backed themselves into it. It's an example of what happens when we don't deter, when we want to lift sanctions on the Houthis and on the 
Iranian regime that is slaughtering women in the streets that were trying to protest. It's the example of what happens when you have a missing in action president, commander in chief, and the secretary of state just acts on his own without any clarity. And you have the Chinese fueling a lot of this through their communist party. And now Biden is trying to respond as to why he's not going to be seeing a wider war across the Middle East. He said, I don't think we need a wider war in the Middle East. That's not what I'm looking for, he told reporters. And by the way, as he telegraphed responses, did the Houthis stay where they were thought to be? You're supposed to have surprise in a real surgical response, not telegraph it days before. And then since the beginning of the Israel-Hamas conflict, Iranian-backed groups have launched more than 160 attacks on U.S. military bases and assets in Syria, Iraq, Jordan, and across international shipping routes in the Red Sea. Iran denied involvement in the deadly strike, though many U.S. officials have said that battlefield forensics showed the drone used in the attack was an Iranian-made Shahid drone. Experts said, quote, we have a strategic problem with Iran, but we lack a strategic solution. The choices that any administration and every administration have faced since the Iranian revolution are fraught. They are not between good and bad policies. They are between bad and worse. Oh, okay. That's Aaron David Miller, obviously one of the old Obama advisors that's still with the Biden administration. And there's always expected retaliations, tit for tat. It can't be proportional. It has to be deterrent. It has to be to prevent future and break their ability to respond. And by the way, the the cultural war continues. Not to highlight a great piece I'd recommend for all of you to take a look at. Welcome to Dearborn, America's Jihad Capital. Steven Stalinsky, longtime expert on Islamism and Islamists and radical terror movements. He talks about how thousands march in support of Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran. Protesters, many with kafiyas covering their faces, shout, Intifada, Intifada, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, and America is a terror state. This is what they're saying in Dearborn, according to Steve Stalinsky. Local imams give fiery anti-Semitic sermons. It's not the Middle East. This is Detroit. Detroit, Michigan. Suburb of Dearborn. Almost immediately after October 7 and long before Israel began its ground offensive in Gaza, people were celebrating the horrific events of that day of genocide in October 7th. A local headline describing an October 10 event at the Ford Performing Arts Center read, Michigan rally cheers Hamas attack. Imam Imran Salha of Dearborn's Islamic Center of Detroit told the crowd that Israel's past actions have put fire in our hearts that will burn that state until its demise. In May 2023, Mr. Salha had urged his congregation to say amen in agreement with his prayer. 
that Allah eradicate from existence the sick, disgusting Zionist regime, quote-unquote. And it goes on. His organization received 150000 in funding from Homeland Security Department's nonprofit security grants program. October 14, another rally in front of the Henry Ford Centennial Library. Imam Osama Abdul Ghani also didn't hide his support for Hamas terrorist actions. The Iranian-educated Shiite Islamic scholar called October 7 one of the days of God and a miracle come true. Can you believe this in the United States, this militant grotesque garbage of humanity saying what they are and these are religious leaders and you wonder why muslims are radicalized you wonder why they need reform why they are insurgents and a threat to our security why there's a conveyor belt of radicalization of muslims at mosques and elsewhere the islamic center of america a leading dearborn mosque held a memorial service for hezbollah operative killed in an israeli strike on december 30. Example after example of horrors promoted, celebrated as jihad in Dearborn. And this is one community, ladies and gentlemen. Now it's the capital. It's the most concentrated one. And what's Biden doing? Oh, he thinks this is a complication as Steve says, he says, Dearborn's radical politics are complicating Mr. Biden's path to re-election. Michigan is a must-win state for Democrats, and the president's campaign strategists are worried that virulent anti-Israel and anti-American sentiment could hurt him in November. Oh, really? Just hurt? It should be the reason for his non-election. Dearborn's Democratic mayor said, quote, a little bit of advice. If you're planning on sending campaign officials to convince the Arab American community on why they should vote for your candidate, don't do it on the same day you announce selling fighter jets to the tyrants murdering our family members, said Abdullah Hamoud, Dearborn's Democratic mayor. There you go. Let them speak for themselves. This is the reality. These quotes are the reality of the fire-breathing radicals that are running the political apparatus in Dearborn and the Detroit surrounding area. And you wonder where Rashida Tlaib comes from and why she's empowered. It's because this is who her augmentation comes from. Augmenting her voice, augmenting her presence with little pushback. This is not only a security, national security issue, but it is why we have more threats yet to come. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the pandemic might have deflected our attention to jihad and terrorism. The pandemic may have put different priorities. And the border certainly is our number one priority right now for security. But through that border are coming not only operatives with terror organizations that are unknown unknowns, but there's also within this country established even citizens that are espousing this type of hate, this hate of America, hate of the Jewish community through rank anti-Semitism that nobody's addressing, nobody's holding anybody accountable for. And Steve Solinsky highlights in the Wall Street Journal. So much to talk about, 
When we talk about the border security, there needs to be a plan for solving that, sealing the border once and for all, preventing the tidal wave of hemorrhage of individuals into this country, using the bully pulpit of our White House, Congress, federal elected officials who will say that to people all over the planet, do not come here without using the laws that we have to come here. Lawlessness will not reign. We are going to put a stop immediately to drugs that are coming in and the cartels that are using the flow of immigrants, of migrants to exploit that. This all has to stop. We need to stop the voting for continuing resolutions and other things that that as if we, we don't have a crisis, as if there's no other emergencies. The emergency right now is the border and it needs to be sealed And all of this talk of security issues, of propaganda, of radicalism is all connected, ladies and gentlemen, because we're losing our sovereignty, our sovereignty not only on our border, but our sovereignty also in the consciousness of so many of our citizens that are beginning to no longer belong to this country emotionally, culturally, and patriotically. It all falls together, ladies and gentlemen, and this is where our priorities need to be for the elected officials that are coming in this next cycle. We need to demand it of them. How how many signs do we need from elected officials giving speeches in foreign tongues about the countries they'd rather protect instead of our own Secretary of Homeland Security that might be able to not be impeached. He should have been impeached months ago. On and on. So much more to talk about, but please get the word out. Let people know not only about my podcast, but find us on social media. Find me at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R. Get the word out about the need to protect this country. I'm with you. We have to protect our families. And I'll see you next time on Reform This on the podcast, Blaze Podcast Network. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.